0: Well, greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 75, an audiobook extravaganza. This is the COVID Culture Survival Guide Part 2. We are broadcasting live, well, live for us from the Power of Change Worldwide headquarters here in Blacksburg, Virginia. Well, this is a special, special episode because it's an audiobook extravaganza Episode. We're doing this uh, series of episodes on kind of quarantine life, not a survival guide in a medical sense or in a tactical survive, eat, eat, you know, feral hogs that you hunt in your woods since, you know, there are other places for that, more serious places for that. But just the average guys, average gals, survival guy, what do we do with our time? And we started by life and hope together, stoking hope through engaging with uh, hope-provoking things like the scriptures, and then things how to be together during a time of quarantine. And today, part two, we're going to look at audiobooks, one of my favorite things in the world. Now, I'm just going to say this up front. As this is a special episode, we're going to do something, well, special, um, and I want to say the first two listeners that contact me at info at gospelunderground.org, I'm going to send you a free audiobook. That's info at gospelunderground.org, so fire up the email, send me a note, and I'll send you one of my favorites, and you can enjoy for your listening pleasure. Well, we're coming out of Good Friday and Easter weekend virtually. And I'm going to go ahead and introduce my special guest with me today in the Shed Quarters Live. It is, I guess, not my child anymore. My adult child, my adult kid, Kayla Monahan. How are you doing today?
1: Good. It's fun to be on here.
0: Kayla is another. Uh, we're, we're looking at the word for the love of books, which is what? Bi- B- bibliophile. Bibliophile. And so I, I was looking for another audiobookophile or a bibliophoneophile. That's one I've made up. I don't know if it's a real word or not. Um, I haven't been able
1: to confirm or deny that. The Google
0: hasn't succeeded in confirming or denying whether that's a made-up word. So bibliophoneophile, Kayla Joy Monahan, heading off to Washington and Lee University in the fall. Also a lover of audiobooks. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Kayla had the privilege of doing two, we did two Good Friday, um, watching TV worship gatherings together, which was quite powerful. We gathered with our friends from New Jersey, we, Jacob's Well, their uh, Good Friday service, and then our church here, Valley Bible Church in Radford, Virginia, as well. It was kind of powerful time for our family. And our son, who usually does, your brother, who usually doesn't get emotional, got a little emotional. And I think the weight of the cross uh, was significant for our family. And then Easter Sunday, uh, again, we took a picture of our congregation, the five of us. Um,
1: Had some serious house church throwback vibes. That's
0: right. That's right. We started a church together, Kayla and I, long ago in a house. And so we well, did Well, I was that.
1: seven, so I wouldn't say I Well, you.
0: Well, hey, everybody's a participant. Everybody helps. That's why I like <laughs> nobody sits the bench, right? At Jacob's Well, we've heard that before. Nobody sits the bench in the kingdom of God. Well, I, I've got a segment, Kayla, as we start, uh, that we've called Rantology in the past. And ironically, the picture, if you look at your iPhone or your Android phone right now as you're listening, we kind of throw pictures up uh, during our segments in the, the the rantology uh, picture that I picked last year, Kayla, is a rancid-looking bat. Now, that's kind of crazy because most people think some sort of bat virus is actually co- coronavirus SARS-2 or whatever. Um, and my rantology has a lot to do with the time of coronavirus. Rantology is a segment where either me or Jesse gets fired up and gets on a rant. And my rant today is about bad takes I've seen on Twitter related to COVID-19. Now, the first bad take are hyper-environmental people that are like, well, Mother Nature is just cleansing the earth. I'm like, yeah, but that's not cool to say when people are sick, right? And <laughs> dying. And dying. And dying. And look, I know there are some of you, and well, no, I'm not some of you, none of you listeners, some people out there that think there's too many people and wants to get rid of some, never never going to start by volunteering, of course. Um, but not cool, right? Um, hey, look, let's take care of the environment. Let's not wish the environment to wipe us out. Secondly, um, there's been prosperity preachers like Kenneth Copeland. I don't know what he's doing. He's kind of like blowing away the coronavirus on his little show and like spitting out like like a little kid going... Pfft. <laughs> coronavirus go away, not a good take. Um, I also saw a video of a lady driving to church saying the blood of Jesus covers me. Look, this is the gospel underground. We, un- we understand the blood of Jesus covers us from all things. Um, but to not love our neighbors and just to say it's not applicable to you because of uh, the blood of Jesus, coronavirus, um, I don't know, we don't put the Lord our God to the test and we want to love our neighbor. Social distance, go back to church when your governor says you can go back to church gathering together. Final rantology, Kayla, is about Zoom. Now, Zoom is super popular. I know everybody's doing Zoom calls. I'm doing Zoom calls. It's unavoidable. Zoom, Zoom, coaching, Zoom, Zoom, soccer stuff, Zoom, school, Zoom, college. we everybody's zooming. Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. Zoom is very popular because it's very easy to use. All you need a link and a click, and you're in. Well, that's been the problem. Because Kayla was on an actual call where, thankfully, she wasn't paying attention visually. Uh, Her sister was, where I guess some nasty, trashy um, images were thrown on the screen. And unfortunately, they had to shut that down. And reports out of Good Friday services being hacked. (laughs) Zoom, get your stuff together. Look, we don't need to see trash in the Good Friday service with all the kids around, all right? Um, Get your security stuff right. Start valuing people's privacy. Your product's good. It's easy to use. Nobody's leaving it. But get your stuff right. Those are all my rants today. Kayla, do you have any rants today you'd like to go on?
1: No, no I'm you,
0: good. You usually tell mom and I when you have one, so we'll we'll wait for that later.
1: Yeah, I'm sure you'll hear one sooner or later, but on it's a, not right now.
0: On a more serious note, I do want to ask uh, for... The praying folks out there. If you're not a praying folk out there, that's cool, man. Do your thoughts or whatever, whatever. Get up in your thoughts for us too. Um, thoughts and prayers for Brent Malcolm. Uh, Brent was on our last episode. He was the banker from London. Brent is sick, uh, and he he has been in his London flat for I think nine days without you know coughing and fevers and things. Fever's gone. Coughing's getting a little better. We think he's on the bounce. But yeah, pray for him. We don't know if he has the has the beverage or not, uh, but certainly um he's a good friend and we love him. Praying for you, Brent, if you're listening, hang in there, get back, get back to health and uh hide your wife, hide your kids. Well, Kayla, today, our topic audiobooks. Um now, you you've been listening to audiobooks, I think. Well, I know, of course I know. <laughs> I'm I'm the reason. Yes. Yes, you are. Um I think I was giving you audio Bible stuff when you were born, right? Yeah. Uh playing mm-hmm. playing in your room at nighttime and things like that. Um there there are many, many, many virtues. Now Kayla, do you consider let me ask you that I've never asked you this personally. This is a debated issue. I have opinions on it, but for you personally, do you consider if you've listened to an audiobook that you have read that book, would you say, Yeah, I've read that book. Would you say that or not? Um And why?
1: That's a good question. So I don't listen to nearly as many books as you do. um, But I would say that in essence, I feel like I read them. I've done a lot of like library books, like virtually so either reading on my phone or listening to them. Um and I would say if someone asked me hey have you read that book I said I would probably say I'd listened to it
0: just to qualify just to qualify
1: yeah. but in essence yeah I would say that I had Yeah
0: read see it. this is why Kayla is a brilliant person <laughs> um and gets it says the right answers I didn't prompt her for that but yes you should say you have read it and if you want to be courteous and accurate like Kayla Joy you can say yeah I've read it I actually I listened to it but it was a fantastic book Thank you for confirming the correct way of seeing the universe. Uh, which way should toilet paper come out, over the top or under Teach the bottom? your son. He does it under the bottom, yes, doesn't he? Yes,
1: every single time.
0: We need to go back to disciplining our son. Well, there, there why read books this way? Like, I've had people ask me this question. Why well, I do not want to listen to that? I just get boring or I zone out. Well, a couple things. One, I find it very, very helpful in exploring different topics or learning. I find them very entertaining and I find audiobooks pleasurable, right? Now, let me just say this up front. I don't read audiobooks, and I do read them, I don't listen to them. I do not read audiobooks for retention or for the purposes of teaching someone something else. Somebody said, do you, listen, do you read a lot of Christian books on audio? I don't, because if I'm reading a book, I want to either um, retain or uh, you know meditate on. I need to visually see the book. Engage with it. Engage with it, right. Or if I want to teach on something, I'm going to get a book, book, probably. Or maybe I'm getting better with Kindle. Maybe I'll do that. But, but you're me, still going to write on it. That's right. I'm going to scribble on it. I'm going to get it into my brain, and I have to see and interact with the actual visuals of it to do that well. So for me, I don't do audiobooks that way. I do it primarily for learning, like random stuff about different topics in the world, being curious. We've talked about that here on the podcast before. Uh, entertainment, I really do enjoy. Like people say, "What's your favorite genre of music?" I'm like, audiobooks, <laughs> um, and uh, that's to which my kids say, "Nerd."
1: Well. Most of your kids also say the same thing. So. Yeah,
0: they're doing well in life uh, and pleasure, right? Ple- just pure enjoyment, right? And there's lots of occasions. Some, you know, some occasions don't work for audiobooks. But let me give you maybe six of them. Um, take a walk. We know walking is good for your health. Take a walk. Put a book in your head. Um, driving in your car, if if you're by yourself or with others, right, Kayla? Um, at bedtime. Now this is dangerous. <laughs> Kayla, why? what are the dangers of audiobooks at bedtime?
1: A couple things. First of all, uh, well, I'll preface this by saying I can't sleep without a book on. Uh, at least it takes me a really long time to fall asleep if I don't have something on. And that's been the case since I was probably eight or nine. So that is a danger that you can't sleep like a normal person or <laughs> like you like it's really hard for me when I travel and stuff sometimes because if I'm sleeping in a room with other people, it's obnoxious um, to have a book on. But also, you can stay up all night because you're engaged with the book and you can't fall asleep. Even if you do put a sleep timer on, you can turn that timer off and wake back up and then just kind of like keep listening. You kind of
0: oscillate between... Yeah. yeah. And if you, if you haven't read the book, it's a disaster if you like the book.
1: Yeah. Or you just flat out fall asleep really quick and you lose like half the book and you have to go find where you are and it's a pain to try to figure out where it was and where you were and then if you half listened to something as you were falling asleep, did you actually understand it or not? And it's kind of a hot mess.
0: <laughs> so great for walking, driving your car, maybe good at bedtime. I do it myself as well. Um, working out. Right, go for a run, doing some in stand squats or push ups or body weight garage quarantine exercise reg- regimen. Put the headphones in, listen to a book. Cutting the grass, yard work outside, that kind of thing. Um, or if you're, uh, you know, if you're indoorsy, you live in an apartment, you're in a, a large building somewhere. When you're cleaning, cooking, cooking, or doing some uh, housework chores around the house, great to kind of listen to a book. Again, uh, take you away into learning and. Entertainment. Now, I'm going to give a few strategies for audiobook discovery. Obviously, the best way to discover new things uh, to enjoy in, in any realm—reading, listening to music, movies, uh, TV shows, audiobooks—is to ask people who have got have got good taste. Well, we're going to try to help you today. Um, well, just kidding. But there's some strategies for discovery that I've used. Like, I'm an audible.com um, subscriber, have been for forever and ever. Used to get audio books within iTunes. Now they have their own stuff and have for years. So we all subscribe and share the same library in our family. They're also, what, what is that um, listening app that you use from libraries? Was it Over, Overdrive? Libby. Libby, it's, okay. Yeah,
1: it's the new version of the library. So basically you can log in with any library card number. I think it works in most states. I know I've definitely done it in Virginia and New Jersey. Wow. Um, and you can download books for up to like 21 days, depending on where you are, and That's listen to it on there.
0: And that's very wise and very free, right? Yes, very free. Yeah, I pay a subscription for Audible, but Audible helps me with discovery, and and there's a few strategies that I want to give you today. Um, authors, right? Um, I'll read anything that Candace Millard writes, right? She, I'm like, oh, what she just wrote on Churchill. What's she going to write next? I'm going to read it. Eric Larson, he just came out with a book on Churchill, ironically. I'm reading it now. Um, David McCullough, there's just certain authors you find that you like. You know, Some of you may like certain fiction books. Maybe you're a Stephen King fan or a John Grisham fan, those kind of things. You will read them when they come out with new books. Certainly with audiobooks now, they're all there, right? They come out with audio at the same time of publication. Second strategy would be genres, right? Um, what are some of the kind of universes of books that you enjoy, Kayla?
1: That I enjoy? Um, I like a lot of things. I love biographies. Um, and I also, I've been recently reading a lot um, and listening to as well um, of books that are like historical fiction, kind of first person perspective of going through someone's life. So I just read one about um, Ernest Hemingway from. The perspective of his first wife, oh. um, going through like her perspective of his like whole life.
0: She thought he was crazy, didn't he?
1: Uh, it's a long, <laughs> crazy story, actually, and that was a weird time to live in. But um, yeah, so I love historical fiction, and I love fantasy as well. I'll find a series or an author, and I'll just go ham for a while, yeah. and then yes, I like Romance novels.
0: <laughs> well, we just don't ask. What are you reading? Just... <laughs> it's Debbie
1: McComber. I don't want to get made fun of.
0: Yeah, no, I won't make fun of you. I have no idea what you're talking about. That's a good thing about growing up and being a, a female and a male. We just sometimes don't know what we're talking about, but uh, you usually do. We trust you. So anyway, genres, romance novels, rom-coms, teenage fantasy fiction, <laughs> right? Uh, divergent, um, hi- biographies, history you know, Both libraries and audible.com, for example, are sorted into these things. And there are algorithms that say, if you like this, you might like that. And, and believe it or not, those algorithms are getting very, very good. I've found many books through that kind of way of discovery through genres I like and then browsing in that and saying, hey, I like that too. Um, audiobooks have another, uh, another strategy that I've found books that I've loved over the years, and that is through the actual audiobook reader. Now here is where, you know, being a bibliophoneophile, <laughs> Kayla just rolled her eyes at me. Can you believe that my teenage daughter is rolling her eyes at me, people? Um, being that that I am one of those, um, there's a unique um, aspect to this medium that's different, because it's really a performance, right? I can't tell you how a good book with a bad reader makes a really bad audio book. Yeah, and you're like, oh, this stinks. I'll even say, hey, get this book, but get it with this reader because this reader is amazing. And so I have two favorite readers. And literally I, I just I sometimes will do a search on Audible by the reader's name and they'll show up. You can sort by reader. And um, the production of some of these people is unbelievable. I think they just read books all the time out loud in front of microphones. Um my, I think my favorite of all time was a man named Edward Herman. You'll hear from him here in a moment. Um, but Edward Herman has now passed away. He's deceased. He died maybe a couple years ago. Yeah, you were upset. Um, I literally, you know, I don't, I don't know the guy. I've never met him. I've listened to so much, so, so much. He did lots of David McCullough books, which are kind of American history books. He's done a couple of my favorite audiobooks of all time. And when he passed away, I mourned and I realized wow, this is a unique gift of God in this person, in this world, that was a deep and abiding and endearing blessing to me and was a great sense of loss. My other favorite is a, is a gentleman named John Lee. Um, We'll play some of his stuff here in a moment as well. So discovery, authors, genres, readers, um, using algorithms to discover. And then finally, there are lists like uh, insider.com has a list. I'll put it in the show notes for this episode. Um, The best, 50 best audiobooks of all time. So, you know, Harry Potter and stuff like that's on that list. But also uh, a couple of my favorites are on there. I was pretty excited to see that, Kayla. Um, So those kind of things, I'll put that in there for you as well. Now, I'm going to just go ahead and and just put my cards out there that I have I think I've have determined my favorite audiobook of all time. Now, that's a high bar to uh to aspire to. But I'm going to play you a little sample of this book. It's called The Boys in the Boat, 9 Americans and their quest for Olympic gold at the 1936 Berlin Olympics. Now, the reason why I love this book one it's got sports competition drama, which I like that. It's got love stories. I like that. It's got dysfunctional families. You know, I've lived that. it's got um, financial crashes in America, the Great Depression, the Industrial Revolution taking, but it's got Nazis. It's got Nazis losing things. It's got um, propaganda. It's got pro- propaganda. <laughs> it, it's just got everything. It's and, so good. And it has quotes at the beginning of each chapter by this like Yoda of boat boat rowing. <laughs> just his quotes are life Yoda quotes, right? Um, and of course, it has the great Edward Herman as its reader. So here's a little sample. Now, this is the sample direct from audible.com. So these are publisher approved. I'm not broadcasting these illegally uh, from The Boys in the Boat by Daniel James Brown.
2: It is hard to make that boat go as fast as you want to. The enemy, of course, is resistance of the water, as you have to displace the amount of water equal to the weight of men and equipment. But that very water is what supports you, and that very enemy is your friend. So is life. The very problems you must overcome also support you and make you stronger in overcoming them. George Yeoman Pocock.
0: So that's a, one of these George Yeoman Pocock quotes at the beginning of a chapter, which is like, wow, that's true about life. My problems do make me who I am. And so let's go row. A boat. I actually wrote a boat the first time I read this or an erg machine in the New Jersey gym, uh, The Boys in the Boat. Kayla, what are you a fan of this book as well?
1: Yes, so... Before we got on this, my dad asked me to make a list of, like, my top audiobooks throughout my life, and this was very near the top of that list. Um, I know it's been interesting because he raved about it, and then I didn't really get around to listening to it. Um, and then I finally did, like, two years later, and I used it to go to sleep, too, eventually. Um, because I got so familiar with it and I loved it so much. And then my little brother got onto it and my grandpa got onto it. And like our whole family has kind of each. I
0: think Tommy's listened to this book 17 times.
1: Probably more than that, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's been fun. Of course,
0: his favorite line in there is when they're racing a boat. I don't want to give too many spoiler alerts, (laughs) but the little coxswain is the guys that are a little cocky, weigh about a hundred pounds, sit on the boat and they yell at everybody. And like... The, the the boat, the University of Washington guys is rowing in really close to the lane to get rid of this choppy water and they're next to the Syracuse boat. The Syracuse guy starts yelling at the the boat and then Bobby Mock, the coxswain for Washington, who says, Go to hell, Syracuse. And of course my wife doesn't like that. My son does. Forgive me if you don't like it, but there it is.
1: Yeah. It's it's been it's everyone has their own journey with the book, which I think is really unique for a story like that because it doesn't feel like it should be a universal universal story, but it ends up being that, and everyone kind of takes something different out of it, but loves it all the same. So, I would highly, highly, highly recommend.
0: The biggest mistake is to think it's a sports book. Yeah, um, it has it has the. It's very interesting because it's a sport not a lot of people know and about. And you'll learn
1: about the sport too in that's a right. way that's that's done, um, that's accessible to anyone, athlete or not, rower or
0: not. It's a very human book and covers some really important times in American history. And it's so well written and so well performed by Mr. Ed Herman. My my second. This was hard because um, at this point I'm into a whole lot of books I love. But the second uh, book is by an author named Lauren Hillenbrand. Lauren Hillenbrand's fantastic, and you might not know who she is, but you really do. She wrote the novel Seabis Seabiscuit, which is a historical uh, piece as well, based on a an actual. It's a historic. Nonfiction, uh, creative nonfiction, we'd call it. Mm-hmm. Um, Seabiscuit was a horse, a horse that was small and kind of maligned, but yet awesome uh, during the Great Depression. And Seabiscuit was made into a movie that a lot of people know about. So I love Lauren Hillenbrand. But my second favorite book has to be the book Unbroken, which is also by Lauren Hillenbrand, turned into a movie. The movie's okay, not as good as the book, not nearly as good as the book, about Louis Zamperini's life, who was a, he was actually at the 1936 Olympics as well. World War II, shipwrecked, Japanese prisoner of war came. Unbelievable story. And, of course, we'll give you a little love from Ed Herman here on Unbroken, a World War II story, survival, resilience, In the pre-dawn darkness, darkness of
2: August 26, 1929, in the back bedroom of a small house in Torrance, California, A twelve-year-old boy sat up in bed listening. There was a sound coming from outside, growing ever louder. It was a huge, heavy rush, suggesting immensity, a great parting of air. It was coming from directly above the house. The boy swung his legs off his bed, raced down the stairs, slapped open the back door, and loped onto the grass. The yard was otherworldly, smothered in unnatural darkness, shivering with sound. The boy stood on the lawn beside his older brother, head thrown back, spellbound. The sky had disappeared. An object that he could see only in silhouette, reaching across a massive arc of space, was suspended low in the air over the house. It was longer than two and a half football fields, and as tall as a city. It was putting out the stars. Well, if you don't like that kind
0: of writing, you can't be my friend. <laughs> Well, that's a little bit of a taste of uh, Lauren Hillenbrand's Unbroken. <laughs> do recommend that. My final kind of favorite top three, I guess, is a book by a man named Eric Larson. Eric Larson has a wonderful talent of taking two historical events that happened at the same time and running them in parallel. Usually, you know about um, one of them and don't know about the other one. So like, for instance, his book In the Garden of the Beasts was about the rise of the Nazis right when they came to power And then also a love story of an ambassador's daughter and a Russian ambassador going on at the same time, which is fantastic. Well, my favorite Eric Larson book, I've read all of his books that are available on Audible at least, um, is a book called The Devil in White City. I can't do spoiler alerts. Everyone loves this book. It's fantastic. It deals with the Chicago World's Fair in architecture and buildings and the people who are building this great um, first kind of World's Fair with electric light and these white unbelievably creative facade, huge buildings, unbelievable. And then also one of the most sick, crazy murder things going on at the same time. Anything else, Kayla, you want to say that's probably all we can say without. Yeah, spoiling I don't it. want
1: to spoil it. I read this actually finding it on my own without him telling me about it because my best friend and I got me into like true crime stuff. And we were like trying to find just interesting stories about it. And I um, went to my dad, and he's like, "Oh, I have it right here," and I read it, and I sat there, slapjawed, and put couldn't put it down. So I would definitely recommend it. this
0: book. Is crazy?
1: Yeah, every is, chapter you're like, "What's
0: going it is, on?" It is wild. It is so interwovenly well by uh, Eric Larson, and we can't recommend it enough. So those are kind of top three for me. Um, other things that I read a lot of. Now, um, you may or may not like this. You may like like Kayla, like romantic comedies or romantic uh, sci-fi. Um, I, I'm not opposed to that. Divergent, we saw every movie together, didn't we? The books, uh, are, better. The books are better. Divergent, books are better. Hunger Games, books are better. Bo- movies are pretty good on Hunger, good H- Hunger Games. So here's some of the books I read. I love creative nonfiction. So Eric Larson, anything by him. Candace Millard, I mentioned. Her book on Garfield is fantastic. Most people don't know much about that president or uh, how he got shot and how he ended up dying. Um, but that's a fantastic book by Candace Millard. And then, and then anything by Ben McIntyre. Ben McIntyre writes spy. It's 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 history. It's not false. It's not fiction. It's not made up. It's, an
1: it's he- sad, but They're crazy enough that they have to be true.
0: All these kind of crazy black ops spy stuff from World War II, Cold War. Um, he writes all these novels. My, probably my favorite two are about um, the book uh, A "Spy Amongst Friends" by Kim, about Kim Philby, who literally was the top of MI6. That's James Bond stuff. You know what I'm saying? while being a KGB operative during the Cold War. Crazy. Um, And then the other one that came, uh, The Spy and the Traitor, which is more recent, was about kind of the flip side of that. A a communist spy who was turned against the communist regimes by the West and and more towards the end of the Cold War and the damage both these two did to the intelligence communities on either side. Fascinating. So anything by Ben McIntyre. I love history and biography. Um, Roger Crowley, I read a lot of, who does a lot, if you're interested in the conflicts between Islam and the west that took the place through the middle ages with the ottomans uh, and around the mediterranean basis roger crowley's great david mccullough for pop kind of pop historical american stuff his book on building of the brooklyn bridge fantastic his book on the panama canal fantastic that got me interested in um, teddy roosevelt because he's like i took the canal and let them debate me um, and so that got me into this roosevelt trilogy by a man named Edmund Morris, which Kayla, I think you're reading some of that now.
1: Yes. So for my AP government class, we had to do a project on a president. And when I was, I don't know when you went through your Roosevelt phase, but you went through, I was probably 12 or something, and you went through Roosevelt phase for like a year. And I remember listening to parts of these books with you and just being fascinated by this guy. So I decided to do my project on him. Um, and then realized, wow, there's a lot more to him than I even realized. And then I remembered this trilogy. And so I am currently working on one of them. Um, and it they're so well written, and they care they they bring the character of Roosevelt to life in a way that um, not many people know and I think that there's a lot to him from his childhood onwards that shaped who he was and shaped what he did that made a huge impact on not only the United States but on the world
0: that's right and And one of the things I appreciate about this Morris trilogy on Roosevelt, the rise of Theodore Roosevelt, his kind of younger days. Theodore Rex, when he was kind of president, expanding the power of the presidency and the federal government. A lot of people don't realize that a Republican Roosevelt actually did that. Uh, and then Colonel Roosevelt, his post-presidential uh, season. But one of the things I appreciate about Morris's books is that they show Roosevelt not as a perfect person or a hero. He's a weird dude, man, yeah. like wild, uh, free, crazy, um, say whatever he thinks kind of guy. But also his warts and his flaws and in, in how he very much rep, rep, represented kind of white man's burden and his view of civilization, which many of us today find offensive, yeah. um, but at the same time appreciating the virtues as well uh, and how he changed the world quite, uh, quite literally. So love history and biography. I, I also read a ton on history of, history of technology. So, uh, Becoming Steve Jobs is a great book. Steve Jobs by Walter Isaacson. Uh, The Second Coming of Steve Jobs. These are great books on Apple. Book I Was, which I think, Kayla, you've read.
1: I read that when I was... Thirteen. Yeah, when
0: you were little, I was is a book about um, Steve Wo- Wozniak. Wozniak, yes. Uh, I was. You know, I iPhone. I was, and it's about his perspective. You know, we all got Steve Jobs and stuff, but we didn't get Woz, who was the genius, actually the, the computer, computer guy, the computer genius behind all of Apple for the longest time, still around today and uh, saying pithy things online and being an activist. <laughs> um, the perfect thing by Daniel Levy about the invention of the iPod was fantastic. Uh, I'll let you get to the Pixar touch in a minute because I like that too. Hatching Twitter by Nick Bilton it was about the history of Twitter and then one on Amazon uh, called The Everything Store by Brad Stone, our books I preach. We're going to put all these in the show notes. We'll probably link them all for you or at least give you the names and titles so you can go off to Amazon or Audible and get them. Certainly fiction books. Um, I haven't read as much as Kayla and the kids, but um, I'll let her get on some of those. And then business books, right? If you're into business books or books on leadership, you know, know, Seth Godin is there, or Godin, however you say his name, Malcolm Gladwell, his stuff. I really appreciate Gladwell's, I've read all his books on Audible. Um, And then a book called Leadership by Sir Alex Ferguson, the Manchester United legendary manager from England and the best football club in England. Uh, My son and I read this book in the car uh, driving to an NCAA wrestling tournament last year. And that was a fantastic book on leadership principles. So Kayla, it's your turn. Give us some of your absolute top, at least top three-ish or so, and then go down your list as we as we continue.
1: Should I start with my all-time favorite or leave that for the end?
0: Let's leave it for the end.
1: Okay. Um, so I kind of made two lists because there's too many audiobooks that I've enjoyed. Um, and
0: parents, listen to this because Kayla's done us a great service here. She's given us her favorites, but also some books for kids or she enjoyed as a, as a small person before she was a grown-up adult going to college.
1: Well, and I still like them, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'll start with books that I think are not as much designed for your children. Um, C.S. Lewis by Alistair E. McGrath is a fantastic um, way to learn more about C.S. Lewis, who's a very complicated individual, um, but who is one of my favorite authors of all time. And I really enjoyed learning more about him. Um, Boys in the Boat is on that list. (laughs) You should listen to that book. You should read that book. I don't care. We will send you that book. Yeah. If you email us, that's
0: one you will get sent info at gospelunderground.org.
1: Yes. Um, There's Bear Girls was a survival guy on TV. He's kind of one of the early ones that our family really liked. Man vs. Wild was a show I remember watching um after church on sunday afternoons <laughs> with everybody um and he has an autobiography called mud sweat and tears that he actually narrates um and, and he's british so and, he sounds
0: good on narration
1: he sounds fantastic <laughs> um and that one was something that i kind of ventured out and was like hey can i listen to this one um that nobody else in the family had done so it was cool that it was kind of my book that i got to find and really really enjoyed um he was in the british special forces he climbed mount everest like He's done some insane things. So if you haven't heard of him, you should go check him out. Um, The Pixar touch one that my dad briefly mentioned by David a price was one that um, my dad recommended for me and I found myself loving. I love Pixar um, and it has a fascinating story of how it was created and how it evolved and almost
0: went out of business. Yes. and
1: Um, And Just the determination of these tech guys to really want to just not only focus on a new medium and a new technical aspect, but to really tell a story was something that really attracted me as someone who's obsessed with just stories in general. And so it's a really cool way to learn more about technology, but also about um, an art form and computer animation that has kind of taken the world by storm.
0: Yeah, The Pixar Touch is another one of these books that covers many disciplines. If you like really nerdy computer stuff, it gets the story behind the creation of you know, computer-generated graphics in the, and the machines and software that does that. But it's not too technical. Anybody can read it. But also creating a business, which is a creative business, so the the art of storytelling. And then if you're into businesses that are about to fail and, fall, you know, and Steve Jobs comes in and kind of, well, after he got fired from Apple, this is his claim to fame during that season and funded um, and brought Toy story financially to yep. uh, the screens. And so wonderful. And then John Lasseter, who's still... I still think he's in charge he of is. Disney storytelling. So Yeah, um,
1: he moved from Pixar, just Pixar, to overall of Disney. Yeah, when they, when Disney genius. bought
0: Pixar back, and that whole interplay between yes. Pixar and Disney and how that all happens in and out is all there as well.
1: Yep. Phenomenal book. Um, and then The Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis is a classic. This is going to be my transition book series and into the kids list
0: and they have a great box set uh that you can get on uh, audible or library and then also individual books if you want to go one at a time and and you get readers that that kind of um they sound like this this is from Lord, horse and his boy he
3: bowed kneeling before him till his beard touched the earth and made signs to shasta to kneel also the stranger demanded hospitality for the night which of course the fisherman dared not refuse all the best they had was set before the Tarkan for supper, and he didn't think much of it. And Shasta, as always happened when the fisherman had company, was given a hunk of bread and turned out of the cottage.
0: Now, that sounds better than my own head reading a book, doesn't it, Kayla?
1: I, yeah, I would agree. And fun <laughs> fact about that box set, mm-hmm. I would definitely remember, recommend those particular readers because, well, I'm selfish, but <laughs> my sister and I, when we were little, um, could quiz each other all the time on which Narnia book it was by the reader all of them have different readers and we could hear Harper Audiobooks Presents and we could we could quiz each other on which reader yeah they would do it
0: with me they would say dad okay play one any of the Narnia books we're not gonna don't tell us which one and they want to see how quickly they can tell me which book it was by listening to it, it we'd was, race yeah like one word it's like name that tune or the what is that show that Jamie Foxx is hosting where you try to guess Sam. music, beat Shazam yeah just hearing it and they, they could do it man Yeah.
1: Um, But yeah, so that is one that I think is accessible, very accessible to children, obviously, but also adults, there's a lot to learn and a lot to glean from those books of fiction that are just phenomenal. Um, And so, transitioning to my kids list. My
0: parents, pay attention. If you're listening out there, these are some great stuff that kids would, stuff that the kids dig.
1: (laughs) Yes. So, most of these I have listened to extensively. Some of them I've listened to briefly and we're told by my siblings that they have to be on the list because they are, um, probably more into audiobooks now than I, I ever was or is now. Um, so anything by Brian Jakes, I think I'm saying that right. It'll be in the show notes. Um, the Redwall series are fantastic. They're about a bunch of animals living in like monasteries and it's fiction and it's beautiful. Um, and they're really entertaining. They're a bit long, but they're really good. Um, The Magic Thief by Sarah Perinius, I think is how you say your name, um, is a series that my brother and sister particularly got into. Um, but we as a family do audiobooks together many times. So we put books on in the car. Um, and this was a series that kind of captivated our attention about a little boy who s- accidentally stumbled into a magician's house and found out he had magic powers too. Um, it's a really interesting story. Um. A more historical kind of book, Johnny Tremaine by Esther Forbes, I was required to read in fourth grade and did not like it when I was required to read it. And then we got the audiobook when my sister had to read it and all of us fell in love with the book um, more than I ever thought possible. It's about um, the American Revolution and kind of just a, a boy's take on it as you follow him through becoming crippled so he can't be an apprentice um, all the way up until... The Night of Paul Revere's Ride, which is a really interesting, really interesting way to shape history through fiction. So historical fiction kind of there. Um, From the Mixed Up Files of Mrs. Basil E. Frankweiler by <laughs> E.L. Koingsberg. I should have practiced saying these earlier. But, you did very uh, well. Thanks. <laughs> um, is one that, again, we had to read for school. And none of us liked it in class and then we went home and got it on audio and my sister and I loved it and I still can listen to this book anytime, any place. I love it. Um, it's about kids who run away from home and go to New York City and live in a museum. Um, and, Why wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean if you're in New York uh, but it's it's interesting just kind of following two kids, a brother and a sister around New York City and kind of they're living there and figuring it out um, and it's kind of a coming-of-age story and it's just a really cute, cute story. Um, and then these two are probably my top two things for kids that I can give or honestly adults. You should listen to them too. The first one is story of the world by Susan Weiss Bauer, um, which basically is like all of history ever, not actually, but pretty darn close, um, put in a narrative that kind of is continuous. So she jumps from country to country explaining different, um, histories and how they interact in different time periods or what's coexisting at the same time in different like the east and the west um, and you will hear stories that you won't even think are true about some random places that you didn't even know existed um, and it's super fascinating and my mom loves it as much as we do um, and we will listen to it probably more than we do just to learn more about the world and how it was formed and how you know different societies have risen and fallen um, and it's just a really cool way to look at history um that is still written excellently but accessible to all ages
0: yeah our kids love the the reader i forget his name um oh jim weiss i think is his name and we used to listen to these in the car and he's like the story of the world history for the classical child yep. <laughs> they used to read that over and over again yeah. yeah story of the world is on welltrainedmind.com um, you can get those as MP3s if you do have kind of a car ride anywhere back and forth, or just want to use an you know old school technology. They have discs, but also MP3 downloads. I'm not sure if they're on Audible, but WellTrainedMind.com has those.
1: Yep. Um, the last kid series, um, is Guardians of Gahul by Catherine Lasky, which we stumbled upon because a movie came out when we were little that honestly is not very good. I loved it but it's just not very good especially after you read the books but there's a whole extensive series on owls and
0: battle owls yes
1: and um these owls are you learn about a brother sister and team and they kind of start and then it goes into this whole world of all these different owls living together and fighting and in harmony and it's I never thought I would be interested in owls, but I can. Wonder. Oh gosh, here's the reader.
0: We'll Someone
1: cry. stared at the hole that now began to split into two or three cracks. The egg shuddered slightly, and the cracks grew longer and wider. He had done this himself just two weeks ago. This was exciting.
3: What happened to my egg tooth, Mum?
0: Kayla's starting to uh, mouth these words out loud because she knows them very well. But Guardians of GoHoo by Katherine Lasky. Definitely on Audible. Definitely awesome. Good reader.
1: Yes. Very, very good series. And you'll learn a lot. Like, you'll... She knows her owls and then she's like, you learn all the different species, the official names, like we could tell you in all three of us in the proper accents of which owl it was, <laughs> uh, which species it was. Um, and she also has a series called Wolves of the Beyond that is good though. Start with the owls. The owls are better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that is my
0: all right. list. All right. Top three for you, Kayla, our boys in the boat is on the list. So, but you have two others, which other two make your top three list?
1: So top three is really hard. Um, I would say, just because of all the nostalgia for me, um, Guardians of the Cahool, all of those are on that list. But my all-time favorite book ever um, is called The Hiding Place by Corey Ten Boom with John and Elizabeth Sherrill. And
0: And narrated by Wanda McCadden.
2: Elizabeth Sherrill, July 1971. Is this this the one you have? New York. Yeah
0: give you a little reading of it here
2: chapter one the 100th birthday party i jumped out of bed that morning with one question in my mind sun or fog usually it was fog in january in holland dank chill and gray but occasionally on a rare and magic day a white winter sun broke through i leaned as far as i could from the single window in my bedroom it was always hard to see the sky from the bay
0: All right, Kayla, tell me about this book because this is a $2,000 book in my mind.
1: This book, (laughs) in all honesty, has shaped my life um, in ways I never, ever would have imagined. This is
0: the biographical, autobiographical book by Corey Tinboom,
1: right? Yes. Who was a Dutch watchmaker. She was one of the first women watchmakers ever, um, which is barely glanced upon in this book. Um, And she and her family, um, her. Elderly, seventy-year-old, seventy-something-year-old fa- father, and her Spencer sister, sister and herself um, ended up harboring Jewish refugees in the Nazi um, takeover of Amsterdam, and they do all end up getting arrested. Um, her entire extended family they get caught, but the people hiding in their house do not. Um, and she and her sister end up in some of the most atrocious concentration camps. From World War II. Um, and she makes it out alive. But um,
0: her sister dies. Her
1: sister does not. And her sister has visions as she's about to die of this place. of Two places, actually, of um, healing. And, like, describes in vivid detail these houses and, like, these banisters and these gardens and all these things. Um, and Corey's like, okay, well, you have to make it to see it with me. Um, and she doesn't. But she didn't think, um, so then Corey gets released. Actually, um, she wasn't supposed to be. It was a mess up in the system. And she was released. Kind of
0: administrative paperwork mistake.
1: Yes. Right? Um, a week before all the women her age were gassed. So
0: so she realized her life was yeah. spared by providence.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, she didn't realize that till later when she found out. But yes, um, she went back and ended up having this whole saga until the war ended. Um, But she started sharing her story. Um, And she did a lot of stuff that this book doesn't go into, even with like Cold War stuff and sharing the gospel and things like that. But um,
0: Committed Christians, the two sisters leaning on Christ together, and the big sister who perished really having a a witness and effect on on Corey's life, who then became a worldwide evangelist, really.
1: Um, And one of the talks she did, a woman came up to her afterwards and said, um I had this vision or something um where my son is currently fighting right now, but if he comes home, I know that I'm supposed to give you this house. <laughs> yeah. It's it's bizarre. It's yeah. the most bizarre thing. And then um Corey gets and goes, Well, does this house happen to have these particular banisters in this yard? Like describe what her sister said. And the woman goes, Have you been there? And Corey goes, Sort of. Um, (laughs) of. And then about two months later, she gets a telegram that all it says is the kids, the guy's name, um, whatever it was, came home. And so she turns this house um, that her sister envisioned years later, she actually makes it and she turns it into a place where Nazi sympathizers, um, as well as Jewish refugees who were all of which to had terrible repercussions after the war, had a place to go and heal Um, and And reconcile and yes and so they obviously all didn't live quite together but um eventually they would um there were so many stories that she saw happen where they forgave the other person um who even like for her she had the struggle of forgiving the person who turned her in um and things like that or she met a a guy came up to her at one of her talks and shook her hand and said hey like thank you i you know been saved but um I just wanted to apologize. And she looked and saw that it was one of the guards who had beaten her sister. Oh my gosh. Um, and she tells it as if she's like, look, I, I could not raise my hand to shake his hand and forgive him. I could not do it. Um, and she said a prayer like, Lord, I need your help because I can't do this on my own, but I know this is what you're calling me to do. And she said, and of no force of my own did my hand lift and I shook his hand. Um, yeah. And so there's just so many stories like that. And, honestly for me she's been a mentor to me um in a way that honestly no one in my life has been and she's been dead many years um and so even just learning from like her early childhood all the way through has been an experience that like it's comforting to me like when you played that audiobook um clip for me I was literally sitting there one mouthing the words because I know it so well um but it's it like calms me down. That's the book that I if I'm ever restless and I can't sleep, I can turn on any random chapter, yeah. and I can play it and be asleep in two minutes. Even if it's the most horrifying scene of like yeah. Nazi cruelty, um, it it just I know that I'm safe. I know that I'm loved. I know that God loves me, and I know that everything's in His hands. And mm-hmm. I it's just it's something simple in a book that you audio book that you wouldn't think of, but for me it kind of sums up. Why audiobooks are so important to me, yeah. um, and how grateful I am to have them, like help shape my life, is because of the impact that it really had, has had on me.
0: If, if I could, for a moment, I was joking a second ago saying this is a two thousand dollars book. Um, because last week, I am gonna brag on you for a second, Kayla. Kayla told me and came to say <laughs> she, she got another scholarship. That's for a year. They have these scholarships for seniors. It was a two thousand dollars scholarship, and you are like the most important thing you wanted to tell me was. This is the one where I wrote the essay on how this book and this woman impacted me. And you were thrilled because it's most authentically you and it was affirmed with money for college. And that was really, really special. The
1: prompt was I had to write a letter to someone who had made an impact on me. And so because she has, I wrote it to her and kind of talked about how she shaped what I want to do in my future, talked about how she shaped my present, and how she shaped my growing up. Um, and it was really cool to kind of have that be recognized and kind of yeah. just see that like, you know, she's still making a difference even now.
0: Amen. Well, Kayla, it's been uh, a blessing uh, to enjoy books with you. I can't wait for many, many decades to come to swap titles back and forth and maybe continue to share a login on audible.com so we can enjoy various books together. When I get credits, I'll still Get them for you guys as well. Uh, we just got a Star Wars book for Tommy. So hey, before I forget, I mentioned Edward Herman, who's passed away, but I forgot to play John Lee. Um, now the reason why I love John Kayla's laughing at me. John I'm Lee he hasn't done it John Lee is the fast a fascinating any of um how the Irish saved civilization. He reads these kind of books by, uh, Cahill, um, his hinges of history series does a lot of history, but he, he does a lot of the Mediterranean, uh, history that I like. He's British, but he can do every European accent. Yeah. Perfectly. Um, and so the book, uh, by Barbara Tuckman, named The Guns of August, which I've recommended here uh, as a World War I primer for many people before, um, has French and American and German and Russian ac- and, and British and again. Italian accents, and he does them all. Now, I can only play the version of this book that he does uh, on this free sample, but here, hopefully, you'll appreciate some uh, of uh, John Lee.
3: Shortly afterward, General von Moltke, the gloomy chief of general staff, was pulled up short as he was driving back to his office with the mobilisation order signed by the Kaiser in his pocket. The messenger in another car overtook him with an urgent summons from the palace. He returned to hear a last-minute, desperate proposal from the Kaiser that reduced Moltke to tears, and could have changed the history of the twentieth century. Now that the moment had come, the Kaiser suffered at the necessary risk to East Prussia, "'In spite of the six weeks' leeway his staff promised before the Russians could fully mobilise. "'I hate the Slavs,' he confessed to an Austrian officer. "'I know it is a sin to do so. "'We ought not to hate anyone.' "'But I can't help hating them.' "'He had taken comfort, however, in the news, reminiscent of 1905, "'of strikes and riots in St. Petersburg.' of mobs smashing windows and violent street fights between revolutionaries and police. Count Portalis, his aged ambassador, who had been seven years in Russia. All
0: concluded- right, there's a little bit of John Lee doing some German accent as well from a British perspective. Well, as we close up here today, I want to remind you guys, first two people to contact me at info at gospelunderground.org. I'll send you a free audible download, probably boys in the boat, maybe hiding place. Kayla, you have any final thoughts, words, as we, uh, songs, hymns, or spiritual songs as we about uh, finish up today?
1: No, just try something new.
0: Yeah, just... try something new. Get outside of yourself.
1: I mean, explore. There's a lot of different options, a lot of different books you probably never even heard of that can really change your life. So give it a shot.
0: Kayla, you've been a fascinating and wonderful guest in my life in general for 18 years and certainly today on the podcast I would use my nickname for you right now but it's public and I'll keep that private no young man shall ever call you that or I will kill him just kidding I don't (laughs) believe in violence uh, unless it's necessary in some cases with boys keep doing push-ups dad we got to get out here well the gospel underground is a joint production a power of change in the Bonhoeffer house review us Please review us. My son wrote a review on his own. Did you see that, Caleb? Of the podcast, you can join Tommy Reed in reviewing us on iTunes. Five stars acceptable. Write in some kind words and thoughts for us. Comments, feedback, questions, and requests for free audiobooks to info at gospelunderground.org. We are dialogue taking place in the borderlands between the church and culture. We hope to see you out there. Peace.
1: Peace.